in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Phantom X. One Gambit. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 190. I wanted to be Knife Dad. Knife Dad? Mm-hmm. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. I mean, mm-hmm. there's you are, you are the, your own limit to your potential to be Knife Dad. Got to tap into my inner knife, Dad. Mm-hmm. But don't tap too hard. Uh, tap him, all right. He's sharp. You don't even... I don't think we're talking about the same things. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I think that's like half the podcast, honestly. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> hey, Handsomites. How you guys doing out there? Uh, got a good week to talk about. Uh, got some comic books to talk about. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some God Country. In their book club later on. It's a book about that. There's a, there's a knife dad in that. This is a sword dad. Sword it's, grandpa. Blade, he's a father. Yeah. You don't, you don't like give up the title of father just because you're a grandfather. You're both. Mm. It's, it's just better. Is you it? know, it's like when you have a son and you're a junior and you name him after you so you can be the second. It's better. I don't know about that. Do you, do you want to be junior? No. You're now now you're Robbie Jr. I mean, my I'm named after my uncle. His name is also Robert Dorman. Mm-hmm. But he's but you're not you're not Robbie Jr. No, you could I'm, be Robbie the second. He's he's Robert Bruce. I'm Robert James. Mm-hmm. So Robert we, the Bruce. He is exactly. That's exactly what he was named after. Well, there we go. And my he dad likes was, Mel Gibson. My dad was named after William Wallace. Wow. Before that movie came out, they were <laughs> they were stars. <laughs> Scottish history hipsters. <laughs> before mel gibson put on a skirt and made it cool yeah my grandfather was to be honest i think it's it's, the the nerd i I don't think i I don't think your father named himself this is this is not about comics no this is not about comics we're not neither neither we are neither talking about comics nor dream daddy let's go (laughs) let's go we can start the show with our first segment it is time for weekly floppies we will this is the power show. Eric and I will review a selection of this week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. There may be or may or na- there may or may not be a motion meter involved. It goes from one to five. Our first book of the week is Secret Weapons number two, written by Herrick Kaiserer, Arts Raul Allen, and Patricia Martin. Letters Patricia Martin. Um, you know, we read the first issue, thought we could follow up on the second. I'm, I was curious about it. I, I, it's still very interesting to me, but I don't think I don't think I like this pace very much. I don't really have a problem with it. I think it's better than the first one. Okay. I'm I'm getting more of a sense of what this book wants to be and what it's doing, and I enjoy it more. It's it is weird. It's weird, and the characters are interesting. And I don't know what's your what's your beef with the pacing problem? Because I don't because I don't I don't still feel like I have a sense of what it is doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the like I I still don't. Like, we still have these ragtag misfits, which I think it does carry mostly the charm of the book. Like, mm-hmm. it is having all these weirdos with weird powers and all these, you know, shifting motivations and the dog alien that's chasing them. Whatever it is. Rex O. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't it, – it's still – I don't really hear its voice. I don't – like, it doesn't feel like it's what it's trying to say about them. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's still – it hasn't gotten to a point where it's like – working like i don't know what thesis it's trying to tell me and i really i i don't know it it probably i imagine that after the first arc we'll have it it's just i when it books do that it just is just says to me well just read and trade that's what it usually comes down to is some certain books i will read as you know as they come out issue to issue but those are the ones that usually feel like they are developing their thesis strongly from issue to issue and saying something this feels like it's still like it's going to be probably more cohesive as a trade than this is 
I think it's probably back to your argument about like trees mm-hmm. where you're just like, I'll just read it at the end and it'll probably be good then. But this is kind of the pacing is just not enough. I don't know. Mm. I still think it's good. It's like, it's I, not that it's I, bad. It's just, no, I feel I, like it's I, I definitely, I definitely agree that it's good. And I think your point of having a thesis is um, a pretty solid one, but I, I don't know. I'm fairly happy to just enjoy what's on the page. I mean, right now it's just a strange plot driven, like let's just introduce these. I don't know. It's just introducing everything and showing like a pretty basic situation. Yeah, you're correct in that it, it isn't saying anything or it hasn't established what the point of view is for even like why we're seeing this character study of these characters. Um, I don't know. I am enjoying it. I'm curious why this dude literally has people in his refrigerator. It's pretty horrifying. Also, he uses a cult gun to put stuff yeah. in that dude. Yes, I, I see that. That's exactly a cult gun. Yep, precisely what that is. That is literally a cult gun. Mm-hmm. He's maybe okay. So, well, I mean, literally, it's a drawing of a cult gun. Okay. Well, are we gonna get do some really we're gonna basic name philo- ba- basic philosophy here? Art philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I think I'm still by. Mm-hmm. I I think it's good, and I'm gonna give it. Like I generally books that I think are good, but I think are a little aimless. I give like three issues, and I say, have they gotten their hooks in me? Mm. And then if not, I'll come back for the trade. And that's I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that is perfectly acceptable. But I'm a buy on this one. Yeah, me too. So double buy on Street Weapons number two. Next up, Sisters of Sorrow. Number one, written by Kurt Sutter. Kurt Sutter? I don't know how to say his name. Kurt Sutter, I assume. And Courtney Alameda, illustrated by Hyun Jin Kim, colored by Jean-Paul Zuka, letter Jim Campbell. Um, Kurt Sutter is the dude who does who did uh, Sons of Anarchy on television. This is a comic book from him and uh, other people. about It's a revenge revenge story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the the cover is a little bit of bullshit cover. It is a little bit of a it's pretty bullshit. There's no nuns in this. There's no nuns. I, I mean, and also the, the the solicitation is like, yeah, these these ladies dress up as nuns and get revenge on people. I'm like, I mean, maybe eventually. Yeah. Not in this. That one. doesn't happen in this book. <laughs> this does not happen in this issue. You know, we know nothing about these people, or am I just crazy? Uh, like it just it goes straight from zero to sixty. Yep, does that. It's like they're they're in a battered women's shelter. Yep. Except they're all fucking stone cold killers on page two. Yeah, and except like, for that one lady who's a little bit like, oh, I shot a dude. I'm sorry. The rest are just yeah. like, no, he's dead. It's fine. Well, let's call my brother who's a cleaner. Yeah, it's it's such a completely nonsensical story. Mm-hmm. Like if they're it's, if they're such fucking gangsters, why are they at a battered women's shelter already? It's like a weird thing. It's an exploitation comic. I I mean I yeah. get that, but like this is this, that's not an arc. <laughs> that's why well, I mean I don't know. Like, exploit, it they don't have. It, it I mean it's. No sense. I mean it's not. There's just it's not. I don't think it's going. It is. I, I think you're reading it to get the blood and gore and the revenge fantasy and. Then why not start with that? Pulp, why pulp start stuff. with showing them in a battered women's shelter? Murdering hey, a hey, dude that we know nothing about uh, with a bu- by a bunch of characters hey, that we know nothing about. Hey, uh, pre- preaching the choir. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to reason out why they made the decisions they made. <laughs> I don't. I, I think this is it's it's fine, but there's everything you said is true. There's nothing. Hmm. None of these characters have any. Like it was starting. Like it. It seemed like it hinted at. Uh, like I don't know. It. It could have been more interesting if they actually hinted at the fact that. You know, because the woman, the man that, uh, the, the cop that they, uh, trick into, I don't know, sabotage and then they kill him. Like, it seems, you know, he's not apologetic for his prior behavior. And I'd be interested to see, like, I, I think there's always an interesting story to tell about everyone's a hero of their own story and everyone, even monsters and jerks and, and, and idiots are all, you know, they all think they're in the right. And like that character seemed to be that way. He was, she was like, you killed my, my, my child. And he's like, no, I didn't. What are you talking? Like, I don't, I, I'd be curious to see, like that 
kind of back mm-hmm. and forth and her like maybe that's the story moving forward is they kill all these people and all these people think they're innocent because they don't understand maybe that they did something wrong or they truly think they didn't do anything wrong or maybe they didn't do anything wrong but you have like the tone of this isn't that story the tone of this is look at all these people we're gonna kill and they're all dirtbags mm-hmm. and that i mean i don't i don't really like that very like that kind of story doesn't do a lot for me i I don't like death wish i don't like like the only way that works is like it's the punisher and Mm -hmm. you i i think you have to set that tone at the beginning of like here is these these these, i don't maybe that's what this story becomes with these nuns becoming the punisher the nunishers you're welcome um um, I, i will not thank you for that I don't know. I think the reason the Punisher works at all today is because we have an established continuity of Frank Castle. Uh, if you try to just reboot the Punisher now, like with retelling his origin story, I don't think it'd work anymore. I don't think there's enough, which they're actually trying to do. <laughs> there's going to be a new Garth Ennis Punisher comic set in uh, Vietnam, but uh, I don't know. It's, it is, it's, it's all the like pulpy stuff without any character stuff behind it. Mm. And eh, I mean, it looks nice. I think the action looks good. It looks grotesque at yeah. times. Uh, I mean, purposefully. I'm. I just don't think it, I like it very much. I don't understand like why even set up all the stuff if you're gonna do it badly. Just, just I don't know. It's just really dumb. I don't. I don't get what it's trying to do. Maybe it's just very B movie, and I. To, you're not supposed to think about it. I think that's. I think that is it. I think. But I think it's not even playing those notes very well. I, yeah, exactly. You know? I think that's the problem. Is that it's trying to be. You know, it's trying to be smart. Like the Punisher mm-hmm. never questions himself when he's murdering all these people. He doesn't have like, no, we shouldn't do this. He's just like, oh, what's? I have a machine gun. Let's kill fifty mob the, mobsters. This is like uh, Death Proof, like Quentin Tarantino, except not written by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched Sons of Anarchy? I could not get into it. I might, I might have watched two episodes. I've never tried. I don't think it's good. My very like the very premise of it is immediately like I don't care about any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's people watch it for the same reason people watch um, um, Handsome Boy Monster Killing Squad, whatever the shit it's called. Supernatural. Yeah, I think. I think Supernatural is probably a little bit more self-aware what what about what it is. Yeah, no, I get that, but I think that it's because it's, I, th- I don't know. I mean, it's lasted twelve seasons or something. It's ridiculous. It has. It, it never stops. I'm a do not buy. Yeah, yeah, uh, I could live without it. Double do not buy. Sisters of Sorrow number one. Next up, Generation Gone number one. Storytellers: Alice Cott, Andre Lima Arahu, written by Alice Cott, art by Andre Lima Arahu. Colors, Chris O'Halloran. Letters, Clayton Cowles. Design, Tom Muller. Um, what do you, I, you need to tell me how Alice, you, Alice Cott is a weird writer. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I, I can't remember what else we've read by him, but I definitely remember walking away thinking, you're a fucking weirdo, bro. I mean, I think he's, this is weird. It is weird. I, it yeah. Is, I'm full on board. I like with, yes, he is a weirdo, and I think that was, mm-hmm. As I was reading this, I'm like, I don't think I've ever enjoyed anything I've written, I've read by him. And it's, I don't know what it is. Like, I was trying to identify, like, I don't, this book isn't bad, but I don't, it doesn't, it's not doing anything for me either. It's just, it feels like I'm, it's falling flat and I'm Mm. not sure why. I was, um, I was relatively flat on it until I get to that twist at the end. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it, twist. Yeah, I was just, I'm just that. I was that taken back by it. It just really came out of nowhere. Um, that and the teaser for the next issue. I really don't know what to make of this, and I don't want to say that. Um, it it's hard for me to make a judgment on it because I am pretty. In, I'm intrigued enough that I want to see what goes on in the next issue. I'm really curious what in the hell is going to happen. Uh, I I don't think I like any of these people. I don't know that they're supposed to be liked. I, yeah, I, I realize that. It's just, 
I kind of want, like, I don't, it's a comic where, like, people get, I guess, superpowers from code put into their body, I guess, which is, Mm -hmm. I kind of want them to be, like, want some, I guess the, I don't, I don't know, the, I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't, like, I, I, that's, like, my, like, I'm just perplexed. Like, I don't think I, I don't, there's nothing in this that I, it feels like the characters are unlikable. It feels like I don't like the, I wish, frankly, I wish it was, it, 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 you know, it throws, it it has a word, you, it has someone use the word millennial. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'm just like, that, well, if you're going to make it about, if it's going to be a generational thing, make it a generational thing. It, instead of it's about, there's also technology and there's also magic code. And uh, the uh, book is not as smart as it thinks it is. I don't know. Actually, I, I think that, there you go. I think it could sum up my mm-hmm. feelings about it. It's not as smart yeah. as it thinks it is. Yeah. It's, uh, good God, is that really the cover of this? That is not good. No, the cover is, yes, people, some dialogue in a sky. It's not a good cover. I mean, it leads into the front page, but whatever. That's until it's still not a good cover. No. I, I, I it's saw, not a bullshit cover, though. It's not a bullshit cover. That is, I think, actually probably the be- a very good cover in that it tells you exactly what this comic book is. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of starlet talk with two people I don't like. Um, I'm a, I, I, I'm a do not buy. I don't like it. <sighs> You've... Um... I was softer on it before, but I think you've uh, you've convinced me. I, I, yeah, you can skip this. You're right. Robbie's right. It's time for the Robbie's right song. There's there's a song. There's an Erica's right song. It's uh, I haven't written the lyrics yet, but it's to the tune of "Shake It Off." Hey, that works. Mm-hmm. I think you put anything to that, and it works, frankly. Yeah, it's a pretty good song. Yeah, it's. That's a double do not buy on Generation Gone number one. Next up is Moonstuck number one, written by Grace Ellis, Art Shea, Beagle, Kate Leth, guests, artists, Clinton Cow's letters, and Lauren McCubbin, editor and designer. Uh, I don't know what to say about this comic book. I have well-formed thoughts on it. Okay, go ahead. Give me your well-formed thoughts. I think this book is cuter than shit. I, I enjoy reading it. It is, it is a soft book for soft people, and it is Twee's shit. But I think it's fun and cute. I I I really like the art. Mm-hmm. It's really really beautiful. It's really nice. It's really gorgeous. Uh, and the wolf, the wolf, the werewolf looks like a fucking puppy dog, which is so fucking Twee. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I this, don't. This panel of this. This sad puppy dog werewolf looking at her pink phone and crying. Just, it's so accurately. There's, yeah. This, this is, this is tapped into some zeitgeist for sure. Yeah, I, it feels like everything in this comic book is like, this is not for you, man. It's just, you just, just go, like, you, but I still, can't help it's it is it's really cute and it looks really mm-hmm. good um but it yeah it, it's if you've ever of... woke up and said what if the centaurs were gay <laughs> then yeah. this book is for you also marshall lee is in this comic basically exactly marshall lee is in this comic i was like wait a I second mean, he's this is looks... this is the thing that freaks me out is that like i don't know like fucking Adventure Time is a generation old now, you know? There's been, like, several classes of illustrators that grew up with it, and it freaks me out a little bit. I can't help but say bye. It's so, this is, like... No, it's it, charming. It's I, very I charming. Like it. Yeah, I... It is... I'm, I'm happy that this is a, a stupid real thing. I was looking at what we should read, and I was like, eh, this is, it looks really good, let's read it. And then I'm like, oh, it's a bunch the, the, of weird fantasy animals and romance comics, basically. If, if you ever woke up and said, I wish a minotaur had a man bun, this book is for you. I actually really like that guy. He looks awesome. I'm going to be bros with that minotaur guy. Yeah, 
No, it's we'll go sh- we'll, we'll go shop for Henleys together. I He's think, cool. Yes, <laughs> I, I, this is I'm a buy. This is good. It's like despite myself, I'm a buy. It, it's just it, I don't know. I it it does everything right, like for what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. It does everything right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this this book is silly, but it it charms me. I like it. I I I, I say go for it. So double buy, Moonstuck, Moonstruck, not Moonstuck, Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. Number one. Lastly, our last week of the week is Astonishing X Men. Number one, written by Charles Soule, art Jim Chung, inks Mark Morales, Guillermo Ortego, and Walden Wong. Colors Richard Eisenhoff and Rain Barreto. Letters Clayton Cowles. Another X Men comic. Mm-hmm. Resurrection. This it 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 feels very. Almost like trying to be classic X-Men, you know? Yes. Like, it definitely is like, oh, let's get all of the characters that you old guys know and put them in a book together. And I don't I don't dislike necessarily what this book is doing. Um, it feels good, and Charles Sewell is a very good writer. Um, and it feels like it could be a good story, just... I don't know why it feels a little a little paint by numbers. I don't know. I mean, I I agree with you, but and I feel like it's like it has a bunch of the same characters of Remender's X Force books, mm-hmm. which you know it, it definitely does. And it has you know some of the same. It has the same one of the same antagonists as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I, it feels like it's like eighty percent of the way there. Mm-hmm. That's and it, like I feel like some of that is it feels a little formulaic. It feels a little bit all oh, the gangs all here. Like, yep. Some of the introductions to the characters, like I like uh, uh, Shadow King, his narration of him describing the characters because I think that fits him. That's he is a he's a, a psychic manipulator that he would know. He would. That's what he would. You know. He. That's what he'd be thinking about these characters. But then, like the one that sticks out to me is Bishop's. Um, talking to Logan, old man Logan, for the, and he's like, oh, you're that one Logan who killed all the other guys, right? In your dimension? You're going to do that mm-hmm. here? Huck, huck. And Logan's like, no, it's probably not. He's like, okay. Then what, what, what is that? Why? Like, I don't, I'm fairly certain Bishop and Logan can like, they probably wouldn't talk at all to each other. They're both, both of those men like are, their selling points are like, yeah, they, Logan literally lived through an apocalyptic future and Bishop has lived through dozens yeah. Of them as he's traveled through time. It's hard to really communicate Clint Eastwood's stares in a comic book, though. <laughs> a, 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 a word or two is probably it's it's done in words and pictures, not in uh, mm-hmm. meaningful glances and and you know pregnant pauses. Um, Phantom so X. I, I I don't disagree that he did it this way, but I. I, I feel you. I don't know. It's okay. I mean, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I think this is okay. And I think it has Phantom X and Gambit being weird bros. And... I want, I want, that's the thing that I want the most. I've, I'm on record that probably about a month ago, I said that I wanted, I wanted like the, the, the Chip Zdarsky written Phantom X and Gambit, like trying to be shitty pickup artists book. That's what I want. Or maybe Matt Fraction. I just want that. But I, I, I mean, I think I, that's charming to me. I do like it. I mean, I mm. think, and also think his Phantom X voice is 80% of the way there. Not quite the Phantom yeah. X I know and love, but I don't, I, I've lost track of what happened, all the things they've done to Phantom X in between the time where he was a good character and then they decided to make him much less interesting and split him up and then move him around and then have the other versions move and I don't, I don't. It wouldn't be X-Men if it wasn't a disaster. Yeah, if it wasn't really confusing. If it wasn't 80% train wreck. But I also, think we've thrown around 80% a lot now. We have. Also, uh, Chung's art is really good. Yes. He will not be... I don't. I think every issue of this is going to be a different artist. I hate that. So, I, I, I think that's the... I think this is double shipping. I think this is twice a month. And every issue is a different artist. Which I... W- I I, at least it's not. I I don't know. It could. I don't want to say it, it won't work, but it it I I'm like you said. 
I hate the idea of it. So I, I like where the story is going. I like all these characters. I, hopefully it breaks a little bit away from formula after an issue. Like just this is the first issue. It's setting up stuff. It's better to rely on that formula than to, I don't know, be bad, but I, Hope that it doesn't do that from now on. I, I'll probably, maybe we'll read two or three of this and see where it goes, like we did with Generation X. Um, I'm a buy. Mushmeter one. 80%. Is that how math works? I mean, yeah. One out of five. One out of five. Yeah. 20%. Yeah. 20% off. Mm-hmm. So it's discounted. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I will, I will be, this will be the fifth time we do 80%. I will also go one out of five. Ooh. Because you have convinced me oh. with your smart talking. <laughs> I would hope that I'm getting better at it. Because literally, dear God, how much time? How I'm not. I haven't got ten thousand hours yet, but yeah. I'm getting I think up you've there. Been talking more than ten thousand hours. In yeah, I know. Life but at re- this point, but as performance, <laughs> I think it's a little different. That's a double buy on astonishing X Men number one, Mush Meter one. B minus. But that's it for Weekly Floppies this week. There's always more of them. Unless the comics start going to uh, just graphic graphic novels, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Trades collected only. And then we'll have to uh, change our format. But until now, it is time for our next segment. Are you ready, Eric? I'll take that as a yes. It is time for checking in. Checking in is the bar show. Eric and I uh, talk about what we've been up to during the week. Uh, make recommendations or suggestions or just talk about nerdy things. Hey, Eric. What's up, Robbie? How's it going? It's going okay. Going I think okay. I'm broken. You're, why? Why are you broken? I don't do anything but draw. I mean, that's good, honestly. It's not terrible. You do. You draw a lot. I have done a fair amount of it lately. I drew Sasha Banks. The boss. It looks super good. The legit boss. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's pretty awesome. No, she's really good. She's uh, probably of the, I don't know. They're all, all the four horsemen are very, very good wrestlers. And I think. Who are, who are the, who are the four horsemen? Well, four, four horse, horse women. Horse, horse, horse lasses. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Charlotte. Horse women. Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Becky Lynch. They're all very. I don't know her. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. Yeah. She's uh orange haired Irish lady. Okay. I have seen pictures of her. She's very good. They're all very good. I, uh, it's. I often think about who's actually the best among them, and I go back and forth between all of them because they're all very, very good wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, Sasha's great. I, I like her, I like your drawing of her. Yeah. Um, right now I've got um, a couple more commissions to do because the next one I'm going to do is Charlotte, and then I'm going to do Zoya the Destroyer, which I'm pretty excited about. But it would be fun to do all of all of these. I keep wanting to say divas. They're not divas anymore. They're it well, they're it's, it's superstars. Just, it's just I know, but they're all superstars. I would I'm trying I, to mean a thing. I like the word wrestler. Yeah, no, I get that. It's not it's not necessarily about putting them in a different class as much as being easily able to say women wrestler, because I'm I'm not fucking talking about the guys. I, it, it's, yeah. I think, it, I mean, they're the reason that they don't use that word anymore. Mm. Like I said, I have no problem with that decision. It's just a lot easier to just, you know, it's it's better that it's not like just dumb sideshow, that they're treated like equals. I, I like that, you know, because they are, they have cool personas and cool outfits and cool characters and they're good athletes. It's, Exactly as fun as I don't know, but I don't know. It's <sighs> words. I don't know. It's hard to say things. I don't like saying women superstars or women wrestlers. It just sounds awkward. So whatever. Divas is definitely like right there. But who cares? It's been a lot of me spinning my wheels here. You want to talk about wrestling? Uh, I guess we're, I can't stop you, can I? I've been watching a lot of Japanese wrestling. Of course you have. We, this was, we knew this beforehand. I know, but this week is, uh, I talked about it last week. 
Mm-hmm. And it started. The G1 Climax, G1 Climax 27, started this week on my birthday. And they've had five shows in this week. And they're all great. And some of them, like, any, like, it, it, it's staggering, honestly. Like, I'm, I wish I had taken this plunge a couple years ago. When, and I could have been watching them through all this time. But, meh. It's the G1 Climax is a tournament in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it goes over. It's like 19 shows over 27 days, uh, and determines who will wrestle for the heavyweight championship at their biggest show in January, uh, their WrestleMania called Wrestle Kingdom, and uh, it's the matches are just from there's five singles matches a night, and all of and I, I none of them have been bad really. Um, and most of them have been very good to great. And I mean, great on the scale of like, uh, matches of the year candidates for me and way better than any matches you'll see in WWE. Like, except for maybe like two off the top of my head that I've seen in WWE this year can stand up to like even like the 10th best match in the G1 so far. And it's only been five days. You know, they have way more to go. And you see, you know, it's round robin competition, and it's just staggering the level of match they're able to put on from night to night. Uh, just ridiculous punishment they put each other through to to put on these tremendous matches. And I, anyone who, if, like, if you ever had the, even the thought of like maybe I should get into Japanese wrestling, what I've watched, I've really enjoyed. Do it. Just take the lead. Don't look back. Because it is like it is really gratifying and fun to watch. Um, the first four nights are in English; they have English commentary. Uh, hmm. Then for the next, I don't know, like ten or so, they just only have Japanese commentary. And then the last four, I think, or three or four, they're gonna have English commentary again. Um, I think the Japanese commentary is fine. Like I don't need the English comment. Like that's the the thing. Like the storytelling in the ring is so good, you don't really need someone there telling you what's happening. You can see it with your eyes. You can automatically see what these guys are doing, what story they're trying to tell. Um, it's, I don't know. If you like wrestling, you should be watching it. It's so good. God, Robbie, why are you doing this to me? Why have you made me like wrestling? Because it's awesome. It is fucking awesome. You, God damn you'll, it. You'll like, I think you'll like the New Japan style more than you like anything I imagine. else. I imagine so. Because they, they definitely they work stiffer. They work closer to each other. You know, they the cameras don't try and hide the impact. They make it. It's it's presented more as a real fight. Presented closer to like here's reality. Here's a sports a sports like presentation versus what WWE does or what Lucha Underground does or any of the Western promotions. You know, they, they present them in, present wrestling in different ways. Japanese presents it much closer to actual sport. And it's like several of the guys have legit MMA training and backgrounds. Um, and they use that to help tell the stories. I don't like, there's a lot, there have been in history, a lot of wrestling promotions that have done more shoot style that look that they look like, you know, MMA fights, but they are still worked. Meaning that the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the winner is still predetermined, but they work it so that it looks like a real fight, meaning like lots of grappling. The strikes are, you know, not exaggerated. You know, it's real strikes or close to real strikes. But I don't I don't like that as much. I definitely this, I think, is a really nice happy medium where you get some of the ridiculous, you know, more high flying indie style meshed in with that closer to shoot style, all working together to tell really interesting stories in the ring, each match to match, you know, telling variations on a theme about in the, in all working in the, you know, it's, and it's in a tournament structure. So that, that kind of structure is there to kind of always provide a foundation for what kind of story they want to tell. There's a couple guys who like Yuji Nagata, who this is his final G1. He's been in 19 of them. And, you know, every single match he's coming to, he is, you know, he's an older dude. He's in his forties. He's going to be, he's, you know, this is the last G1. He probably won't be wrestling for maybe another year or two after this. And every match he's in has that story going about this is his last G1. What can he do? And he's wrestling the best wrestlers in the world. So when he loses, it doesn't mean that he's a bad wrestler. 
it means that he, and you can see it, like he just, he's going all out against the, these tremendous athletes that are often 10 or 15 years younger than him. And that's, and that's just one guy. And every single wrestler has their own, like every, every little story that's leaking in to their matches. And they don't have to do the 20 minute long promos that WWE does. They can just, their, their matches, their wrestling tells their story for them. I, 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 I've been like, it happens. They, they, they happen live on their streaming service, but it is 5 a.m. Eastern time when they uh, go live. Of course. So I watch them on demand when I, uh, the next day. I think that's probably, that's probably fine. You don't need to do that. No, I get up at smart, get up at 3 a.m. to watch. No, or, or stay up till 3 a.m. to watch. No, thank you. Um, uh oh. Uh oh, I don't. This is too many. This is too much, Eric. I don't think that's too much. Oh, okay. You're just gonna leave that. Butts. Eric's, Eric's adding lots of butts to our our show notes. Uh, he's seeing it in real time. Real, real time. time butts. Real time butts. It's the real time butt system. Uh, the G1 climax is li- like everyone who follows New Japan has always said the G1 is the best time of the year because it's just so many great matches on top of each other, and I can't recommend it. Like, get on right now. Go watch the first. Like, just watch the 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 G1 as it's happened and it will tell you all the stories you need. You don't need to watch a lot of other stuff. It's fantastic. Um I have read a book this week as well, Eric. You can read. I I can read. I do more than just look at the pictures. Uh this book is called Thrill Me by Benjamin Percy. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Percy uh is an author and writer of comic books. He writes Green Arrow. Uh is a book about uh it's uh, essays on fiction it's called, but it it's a you know it's a a, I I wouldn't call it a book about writing, it, even though it, that's what it pitches itself as. Mm. It's a book about writing, and it is. There's a lot about about writing, but it is about. It's more about theory and story structure and fiction as a whole. I mean, obviously, writing is a big part of it, and I don't often when I read books that like here's how to write a good book. I don't often find that very helpful. And I like this kind of book is more helpful to me in that it is here's things that are important to a story. Here's how I can make how I make them work. Here's how here's advice I've received over the years. Here's how you can make fiction more interesting. And he he looks at a lot of different things. He doesn't just uh, bring in examples from fiction in this. He brings in examples from film and 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 comic books and writing and in all of these things and puts them all together and saying, like, think about. Think about all this as you're working on telling a story and try and use it as fuel to help you. It doesn't necessarily, like, he doesn't, like, try and describe, like, here's the formula to write a good book. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly boring. Uh, it's more like, here, you know, has a chapter about setting. And here's a chapter about scenes, scene setting, and about uh, background characters, and, and things like that. And I, it's it's relatively short. It is very concise tells you exactly what you want uh has a lot of good examples of other books to read which i think is half the battle honestly is like here reading good books um i don't know i so like you said you had or had not read his other um i haven't read his, his other, other fiction i have not read his other fiction although i, I mean kinda, we, we I did kinda, read we, we read uh, the green. otto schmidt's mm-hmm. uh green lantern he did, or green arrow. arrow he did for yeah. the podcast yeah yes uh and it was good. Yeah, it was good. I follow and I followed that for a bit, and it was very good. Um, I'm kind of interested in reading his fiction now because he's he is uh his 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 background echoes mine uh, in a certain way in that he was a you know he read genre fiction only until mm-hmm. you know he went to college and suddenly everyone's like no read literature and then you're like oh yeah literature is very good too but he's not a snob about you know he, he about thinks, genre fiction yeah he's he's he, I mean he writes it himself but he doesn't label it that per se but i think that kind of hybrid look about at like here is great literature here's here's graham green and uh don delillo and then here's stephen king and peter straub like you can take take influence from both those places and it's okay they both have something to say that is valuable thrill me by benjamin percy Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i've also been playing a lot of player unknowns battlegrounds is that that's still that is that still the the frying pan game? I mean, there's other things in it besides frying pans, but yes, frying pan game. That's my takeaway. It's I mean, frying pan. It's a it the frying pan is the most 
like overpowered thing in the game because it deflect it really stops bullets. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else in the game that stops a bullet. There's no armor. I mean, there's armor, but it goes away after like three shots. <laughs> it buys and you the, a it buys you a second. And the, the frying pan's invincible. Yeah, the frying pan is literally invincible. So your helmet, yeah, your helmet. You you want a helmet and body armor because literally that it will save you a couple seconds of gunfire, which is often enough to save your life and get you to win a, a gunfight. But they're not as powerful as that pan. But that game has only got more po- more popular now. As I believe five million copies in the wild has the top level of concurrent Steam players over it beat uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, which usually has the most. It's very popular. I still have not yet to win, and it drives me crazy. I was really close twice this week to, to winning, and I did not. I'm a failure. You're not. You're supposed to say, no, you're not. You're good. I'm just going to let it sit there. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should play with me, Eric. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm uncomfortable. It's fun. I need an adult. We can do some motorcycle tricks. No. Nah, it's okay. <sighs> okay. You got anything else you want to talk about? Not really. There's, you know, no one no one said anything horribly offensive this week that we could talk about. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, announcements uh, coming out of San Diego. Uh, there's Eisner's. Eisner's got announced. Our Tom King won two of them. One for the Vision, which is absolutely deserved. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, uh, Squirrel Girl and Jughead won. Yep, Eric Anderson got pretty neat. Two Eisners now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ryan North got one. Chip Zdarsky. Uh, oh, uh, Frank Miller is uh, going to be working on Superman Year Year One. Aren't you excited about that? No. No, me neither. I don't. Why? Why are you having Frank Miller write Superman? You're one. I hope it's. I hope it's. Um, I hope it's also with Brian Azzarello, so he can corral, make him sane. Yeah. Or you mean Brian Azzarello can write most of it, and Frank Miller can go? What about this? And Brian Azzarello's like, well, let's take ten percent of what you just said and put mm-hmm. that into a comic book. Yep. Yeah. God damn, Frank Miller, fucking old man. Yep. At this point, you ready to move on? I'm I'm moving. Okay. We can move on to our final segment. Uh, It is time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is uh, the part of the show Eric and I will assign a longer collected work, discuss it in depth like you would a book club. This week we are discussing God Country by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Uh, Jason Wordy on colors, John J. Hill doing letters. This team, uh, uh, along with Donnie Cates being announced as an exclusive writer for Marvel, moving forward and writing Doctor Strange. This team has announced uh, to do a Thanos book, mm-hmm. which, uh, after reading this, makes perfect sense. If you're going to be doing a book in the Marvel Universe, or Thor, maybe. Mm-hmm. Thor, or Thor or Thanos, after reading God Country. Yeah, I was I was reading it as very Thor, like in a battling boy sort of way. <sighs> I don't know where to start with this thing. Well, it is a comic. <laughs> it is a fun comic. It was very fun to read. I mean, not like we, but like I enjoyed it, you know, because obviously there's there's heavy shit in here. But I mean, I knew that and I wasn't like blindsided by it because we had read, I don't know, like a third of it already. Yeah. For the podcast. So the, the, the biggest part of the setup, I think, was the biggest part of the setup was really in in in, in those issues. I feel like, um, you know, in terms of. All the things you feel about, like all oh, this, the Alzheimer's is affecting him, and he's—I don't know. Beyond that, see, it's weird because I definitely walked away from this enjoying it. But when I think about the actual stuff that's in this, I'm like, this really made me feel some shit. It feels—I don't know. It felt like it. You know, there's the the idea of. Uh, you have uh, the old man who has Alzheimer's, and then he gets the sword, gets his memories back, becomes a regular person again. And that is really set up in those first two issues. After that, you kind of have the score already. Mm-hmm. You know what you're dealing with. But then oh, yeah. as they as as they kind of pull in the, the myth of, of these gods, of the the god of war and then you know the god of death and then finally uh the father the god of kings like you know 
uses those themes of letting letting go and of of fatherhood and of identity and and plays with them in a in an interesting way in a way that you know this takes a lot like the the comparison of thor is very easy because it is using you know myths and demigods to tell to tell the story uh and them coming down and dealing with humanity it it reminds me of preacher in a certain way as well i think all you know being set in texas is part of that but tech i think preachers also a lot to, a, a lot of talking about identity how you you know relate to these giant myths that are so much larger than you and i don't know how you how you act in reaction to them you know in preacher jesse is he rejects the idea that uh that god is a just god and that you know he's almighty he can that he decides what that Je what Jesse can do in his life. And you see that here, I think as well. But I think it's, it, this is like, it's a book about dads. That's what this mm -hmm. book is. It's a book about dads. And it's, I mean, it, it's got it, as many, it's got as many dad issues as Southern bastards. Mm -hmm. And he even, he even looks like he's like the Thor version of Earl Tubb. He's Thor Earl Tubb. Nothing, huh? I got it. I'm just. I'm I know letting, you. I know you. I know you got it. I'm just sitting here letting it, letting it sit, like you said, letting it, letting it breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, and I think that's what I, I, I have this. I, I, I don't, I don't think it would necessarily mean anything more. Um, but it feel this book feels masculine. It feels like it's, it's, it's to sons. It feels like it's a book about sons and fathers. Yeah, so much the way Southern Bastards is, and. and I, I, you know, sometimes I think about that, about things as I'm reading them. I'm like, this feels like it's directed towards me. It feels mm -hmm. like this is speaking to my experience and experiences like mine. And I don't, that's not always true because sometimes I, I have that. And then I ask, you know, women who've read it and they're like, no, I don't, yeah, I still loved it. I thought it was very appropriate. So I don't, mm -hmm. but it, you can't help but feel like if you've had a dad, if you had a relate, whatever your relationship with your dad is, it, this speaks to it. You know, I think that's what, makes that's what grounds it and makes it like powerful at times is that it's a very primal simple thing that most people have a, a, a relationship with their father and this no, no matter how good your relationship with your father is you have always have had issues it's it's unavoidable uh no one yeah has, and this kind of speaks to that it speaks to uh i mean and i think where we are in our lives i think this is like speaking strongly to us just in that situation because our parents are getting older and this is like, I saw my grandmother have uh, her, her like lapse into dementia and become mm -hmm. a different, become a different person. Yeah. Uh, and like, that's the, you know, I have that fear about my parents. I think a lot of people do. And it, it speaks to that. It's in, and, but by tying it into, I mean, like simple metaphors of like, valor and combat and just being a tough bastard it makes it like a good i don't know a good yarn like it it, mm. it doesn't keep it from it doesn't make it maudlin it doesn't make it doesn't you know bring it down into like despair it keeps it triumphant and heroic you know and it feels very much like emmett throughout story is not fighting gods he is fighting the he's fighting time and that sword's all he has I mean, they, I mean, that, and that's, I mean, they, hell, that they, they, that, that comes up in the story about the, the mm -hmm. god of kings whose civilization is crumbling and he's just using, like, you know, this simple, you know, yeah. metaphor and analogy there and it works really well. I mean, I think that th that's the thing that this, this is six issues long and I think it is succinct and tells its story in exactly that amount of time. It, it doesn't, it doesn't get complicated because it doesn't need to. Like when you're dealing with such simple themes of worried about aging and time and losing people and losing what losing your own identity, like all those things are so simple, you don't need to spend you know fifty issues exploring that. If you are, you're gonna have to go a little bit further. Yeah, Don's always been able to accomplish a lot in four to six issues. I mean, I, th I think it's the uh, brevity is I, mm. I'm finding incredibly more important as we go. Yeah. 
I think the good writers definitely get that, you know, a good condensed statement and don't put in a bunch of garbage that you don't need. Like there's a ton of world building and stuff that you could easily go on about here, you know, show a bunch of pastime for all these people. It's succinct that way. You boil it down to the most potent parts and focus on that. It tells a really good story that way. This is the Kirby, Kirby Cracklinist book. It does have a lot of that, don't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very, like, neon, new gods kind of crazy shit going on look to it. Yeah, I, re- I really, I the art in this is really incredible. Oh, it's it's hot. It's so good. Um, did Shaw do, um, what was it, Rejects and Buzzkill? Yes. Yeah. This is, it almost feels kind of like, it wasn't Drew Moss, he took over. Who was it that did Copperhead? It feels kind of like that, between that and um, Sean Michael, uh, Sean, what is it, Sean Murphy Gordon, what's his name? Who am I thinking of? Sean Gordon Murphy. Sean Gordon Murphy. I knew it was those things in some order. And Scott Gajlewski is Copperhead. Yeah. His work I don't follow quite as much, so I couldn't remember his name. It doesn't quite look like the cartooning that I remember from um, Buzzkill and that era of stuff. But, I mean, it's just like he's making it more serious. Mm-hmm. It's obvious the same, the same guts behind it, you know, the same... The same know-how. Really, I don't know. It was. It was. He was. He would make it gritty before, but it's like it suits the story really tremendously. You know, the ink spatters and the 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 gross paint marks on things combined with those bright colors. It's a really neat thing. Yeah. It. It. it I think by changing, like comparing it to both those books, they're both you know, ostensibly superhero comics, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're twists on superhero comics, but they are superhero comics. This is, I mean, this is theoretically, I mean, it's, it's closer it, Thor. If Thor is a superhero, but I think Thor is always belonged in, you know, the, the, his own little corner because of the gods and all that stuff. I, I think by, by bringing in the myth, by bringing in the heavier themes, you have to darken it a little bit, and I think it works tremendously well. That page uh, where, at the end, or near the end, uh, where he's cradling his dad, and they're fighting, yeah. and then the, the, the two gods in the background are fighting, it's just, just incredible. There's not a lot of waste in here. No. I think you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find an issue of this that wasn't essentially just full of moments like that. No, it exactly. It is not... It's a, it's a thing I think a lot about. It's a thing I think about a lot is that how much comic books have changed, how, you know, how much decompression has changed how comic book storytelling has worked Mm -hmm. and how people complain. I don't know. I saw a thread from, I forget if he's a current editor of Marvel or he at least was a Stephen Wacker. I forget if he still works at Marvel or not. I think he left Marvel, but I'm not sure. But he, he was having a thread about how people were, I know he was he was talking about how things used to change all the time in comic books. Like you read Stanley and Lee's and Kirby's Fantastic Four, and every single issue basically changed the status quo. Like boom, here's the Inhumans. Boom, here's Galactus. Boom, here's like everything just changes from issue to issue. Big things, and I don't think that like making that comparison to now and acting like people are upset about change and changes to the status quo. I think is in regards to complaints about Secret Empire, and. I don't think that's a fair cop a lot of times is because you're not getting that amount of story in comics right now. And you read any one issue of a comic book, you're not getting the same amount of story you would if you were reading Lee and Kirby's Fantastic Four, where the amount of like, it's so compressed. You, if he, they were retelling the origin, like the, the, the first appearance of Galactus now, that would take, that would be an event. There would be nine comic books that they would extend to a tenth, and there would be three aftermath comic books that come out after that. And I, we mentioned brevity, like, in succinctness, like, this book isn't saving those moments. It isn't going like, no, we're gonna, you know, stretch it out and like, and 
also the announcement that Walking Dead is finally ending. Uh, it made me think about like, <laughs> made me think about like, man, six, six issues that get in, give you four or five like staggering, like boom moments per issue. Like if every book was like this, I wouldn't be complaining about that. I wouldn't be complaining about Secret Empire changing things because it would be interesting and it doesn't seem like anyone's holding things back for another issue. It's not full of Bishop and Wolverine going, oh yeah, blah, blah, like having minor small talk moments for no real reason. Like this book is only the, only the, the important information. It's only the things that matter. And it's a thing you don't, not a lot of comics do that, especially for Marvel and DC where it's like showing you things. The only things that think you see are the things that matter. It, 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 you know, reading thrill me this week, it just reinforced that like, yeah, tell the parts of the story that people want to care about. Don't tell the parts that aren't, aren't vital. And this is what this does like jam packed and still manages to carry like mood. And like, there's, there's still room to breathe in space and, and, and kind of area to operate in outside of just like big moments and fights and combat and stuff like that. It, it, it doesn't overwhelm you. By making everything vital and important, you don't really need as much room to breathe. You're just, it's just pushing you forward. You want to keep going. You need to keep going. It's really, really well constructed. I'm going to be buying it for my dad. I couldn't get my dad to read Southern Bastards, a comic book that's literally about football. <laughs> I don't think that I could get my dad to read this. I, my dad is at the point where if I, 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 you know, he, he is actually on his own going and looking for comic books occasionally. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about, I somehow doubtful towards his ability to pick out things that are actually good, but I still am, when I'm buying him books, I'm still kind of like, that's not a dad comic. He's not gonna, mm -hmm. that's not gonna work. But this is, you're gonna, you're gonna buy him, uh, 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 Moonstruck. Yeah. I don't think that's up his alley, but this book is literally, Feels like it's designed for him. It is, you know, it's about a dude with a big sword and fighting, <laughs> fighting dad god, and it's pretty good. I mean, that's, I think that's the, the, the thing that I like the most about it is that it manages to, it really manages to, it roots masculinity and toughness in fatherhood and, and, and emotion and caring. Mm. Like, I think that's the, it, it's almost like, I, like the, the opposite of Southern Bastards, you know, and that Southern Bastards, like, is a lot about toxic masculinity. I think this is, it, it has, it starts where, it start, kind of starts where that leaves off and goes, like, well, here's, here's a, like, here's a troubled man who's reclaiming himself and in doing so shows what, like, healthy masculinity is. Being a good man is. Mm. He's, his son is still pretty sore at him. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't you like, know, but I think that you it's have, almost, it's almost like an overly saccharine moment when the, the sword unlocks everything and he's like, and he was able to, his heart grew three sizes. He gave him all of his dad love and then he died. Yeah, I mean, up to, he, I don't know that, that, that argument they have sitting on the porch. Mm-hmm. That that felt like <laughs> that felt like me and my dad, who can't seem to talk about anything but the fucking weather with me. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that I... was that was the part that felt like Southern Bastards to me, where Earl was struggling with the the ghost of his own father. Yeah, I and, I, and... I, I think that's I'm willing to get like that magic sword. I think it makes no bones that it is a magic sword. Mm -hmm. And like, it is the God of swords and it can do all these things. And I think I took it as in that moment, like that sword was the only thing keeping uh, him alive at mm -hmm. the time. Of course. And I think I took that moment and like him going like here, I will, I will die so that you can understand how I feel. I am, I am unable to, I am crippled by how I am. <laughs> I am, I am, I, I, I think it, it feels very much like Emmett is, he cannot grow. He cannot change, mm -hmm. really. He can't become the father he should be to his son. One, because once he lets go of that sword, it becomes, you know, uh, 
he forgets who he is, forgets his own name. But also, I, he's just stuck in that, he's just too old, he can't change anymore. And it felt very much like in that moment, it is, I can't anymore. And I want to tell you these things, but I can't do it. Like, it is, I am unable, physically. Mm-hmm. And here's like, well, I want you to, I need you to understand, and the only way I can do that is if I die. Yeah, that sounds like most of the other men that I know. Exactly. That if I, I fucking emote, I'm going to fucking die. <laughs> you can't just use words. Like, you don't have to kill yourself and pass your sword on to your son. You can just talk. Uh, but like I it, mean... I, I promise you, you can. I think, I don't know, like, I don't know how much of that is textual, but I took that after, the, you know, because every... I was thinking about this a lot. Honestly, because the whole story is told through a narrator. You have a, a frame mm-hmm. of a narrator telling you this tale that's does, been passed Does now. the narrator sound like Sam Elliott? I don't I don't think so. Who's who does the narrator sound like to you? I think hmm. I can't even think what voice I was using, but it wasn't Sam Elliott. I was just being, you know I mean he has a good voice. Ironic Cohen Brothers. Mm-hmm. I can I don't know. I, I it was a like southern accent. I don't know if I could put mm-hmm. it at a person, but it felt like maybe yeah. like like a like a, a light like someone who lived in Austin who mm-hmm. is Texas adjacent who probably has maybe has a slight southern accent, but maybe not because of the way, you know, the they're like this is a descendant of of the people in the story, so theoretically they're, you know, from that line. I don't know. I I like I kind of like I was trying to like think of it as a woman or a man because it could be theoretically be either. And it's true. also like it does end with that, uh, you know, the value of stories and the value of storytelling and of communicating these, these stories. And I like to think that by, you know, you, you just said, use your words. Don't, you don't have to like give a sword to somebody and then let communicate all these memories that you have <laughs> magically. But you know, it's a little bit, a little bit of, here, the value of, of, of talking, the value of storytelling, the value of communicating. And it, it felt, at least in the moments with, uh, with their, their, his granddaughter, it felt very much like Emmett was a different person than when he was with his son. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like the sword, him coming back to himself, he doesn't, because of his history with his son, it probably, I felt like it bogged him down in that he couldn't help but be the kind of half a bastard he was. But I mean, I think his son doesn't carry those. His son is, I think you can see the change in those, in between the generations. Like you can see his son trying to be better than him. And it's, and Emmett in a lot of ways is like, I, I'm too far gone. I'm going to use this sword for the best I can. So I'm going to go fight some ancient god who's, you know, not a good person, not a good guy. Killed his own son. Mm hmm. It's not good. In general, no. It's not a kind thing. I'm interested to see what the Steam does with the Thanos book. I'm interested to see what Donnie does at Marvel. I'm upset that he's exclusive because that essentially means we'll never see this again. I mean... Or at least until that contract is up. Yeah, which is a thing that happens nowadays mm-hmm. where guys make a name for themselves, move on to one of the big two, make an even bigger name for themselves, and then go make their own yep. stuff again. And, That's a smart thing. You want to... And are in a better position. Yeah. Even... You want to invest in yourself. Yes. Um, but I'm curious to see how it goes. Um, God Country is a great comic book. Excellent. Yeah. It's a very good six issues, great, concentrated, dense story, one arc, one trade. Easy to Easy to suggest to people because here it is. It's all you need. All right, folks, that was God Country by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Next week, we'll be doing Miracle Man, volumes one through three, by the original artist. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Would you forget about that? No, I, I looked right at it and thought it, and then you said it and spoke it aloud. Yep, we're going to Marvel, whatever you want to call him, formerly known as, he's, there's a lot of, we'll, we'll talk about all that complicated, weird stuff that happened behind the scenes as well. But uh, read along with us, discuss uh, all those cool things. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there, including our Facebook, facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour, Twitter at HBC Hour. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. 
can like us, follow us, any of those places, um, you know, send us thoughts or reviews or recommendations or things you would like us to read, and we'll try and accommodate. If you like the show, if you're a fan, go on Apple Podcasts or, or Stitcher or Google Play Music or any of those places where you listen to podcasts and give us a good review. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. All of those things add up, help people find the show. Uh, we really like that. We like more listeners. And we appreciate every single person who takes the time to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find your things online? That's a great question. You can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. And you can see uh, most of the things I get up to by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and my Twitter, where I'm known on both as Easy Goodnight. With that, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.